0: Hello, you're listening to the Quippers International Podcast. This is our short version, and we're studying the book of Hebrews together. And we're in chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 26 through 31 in today's episode. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people." It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, this is a tough passage of Scripture, and traditionally it's a passage that has struck a lot of fear in the hearts of believers. But today I want to do some interpretation and put this passage in its proper context and help us understand exactly what the writer is talking about. The first thing I want to do is I want to reread verse 26, but I want to first read verse 18 and then directly to 26. It's almost as though verses 19 through 25 are a parenthesis, but his line of thinking really flows directly from verse 18 to verse 26. Let me read those two verses together, and I think you'll understand where I'm going. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of this truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So what's the writer saying? The writer has gone through great detail to tell the people that the forgiveness of sins comes through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And in verse 18, he says, Where there is forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus, there is no longer any other sacrifice for sin. He's alluding directly to the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant. And he says, after Jesus was sacrificed, all other sacrifices should stop. There is no need for any sacrifice. But then in verse 26, he says to his Hebrew listeners, If we go on sinning willfully, meaning if we go on and we miss the mark, if we do the wrong thing willfully, what would the wrong thing be in this case? the wrong thing would be to continue to offer sacrifices. And if we continue to offer those sacrifices after receiving the knowledge of the truth that Jesus was the ultimate and final sacrifice, he says there no longer is any other sacrifice for sin, but only a terrifying expectation of judgment. What's he saying? He's saying to his Jewish readers guys, you need to stop offering sacrifices. If you do not stop offering sacrifices, you can expect judgment. And this is exactly what God did. Now, there's a lot of background, and I've talked about it over and over in our interpretation of this book. God judged the nation of Israel for their rebellion, For their disobedience, breaking the covenant over and over, and ultimately for killing his own son, for rejecting the Messiah that he sent. And in addition to that having the pride and the arrogance to continue to offer sacrifices after Jesus was sacrificed. You know, the sacrificial system in the temple went on for another 30 to 40 years after the sacrifice of Jesus. And it was during that time that this book was written. And the writer is telling them, when you offer these sacrifices, you are trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. You are saying that his blood was not enough. And when you say that, you are actually insulting the spirit of grace. It was God's grace that was operative through the sacrifice of Jesus to say, I am going to do once and for all for you what your sacrificial system could never do for you. That's grace. And he says, when you continue to offer these sacrifices, you are insulting my grace. And he says, as a result, you're going to fall in to the hands of the living God. And God says, vengeance is mine. And he did take his vengeance against the children of Israel. He did judge their sacrificial system at the destruction of the temple At the hands of the Romans in A.D. 70, it is the most extensively documented historical fact that since that time there has not been a sacrificial system, and that was according to God's design. He had to remove the old so that the new could be fully in place. This is exactly what this book is about. And so this passage of warning is given to the Hebrew readers that would read this letter in the first century, and it's given with the intention for them to heed the words to come out of this sacrificial system that was now useless. And it was actually an affront to God it was an insult to God that they would continue to offer these sacrifices willfully after they had come into the knowledge of the truth that Jesus was the final sacrifice and that his sacrifice was sufficient. So, this warning is a very specific warning. It's to a specific audience at a specific time. Now, am I saying that this has no application for us? Well, I'm saying on one level that it does not, and I think that's the real challenge a lot of times when we interpret Scripture, that we recognize the historical context and we have great appreciation for what the writers are communicating to their readers. But the spirit of the application can still be there. Is it profitable for us to continue to act in a way that is willfully sinful in our relationship with God? Absolutely not. We should never do that. But I don't believe that the same judgment and the vengeance that God took on the children of Israel applies to a person who is a believer now and actually willfully sins. I think there are other passages of Scripture that we can go to. Specifically, I'm thinking about First John chapter 2, where John says that if we do sin, we have an advocate. So we don't stand in judgment if we sin. We go to the throne of grace and we receive the forgiveness that is fully there for us in the finished work of Christ. So there is a shift. There's a new way of relating to God in the context of maybe having sin in our lives. It's not the context of judgment and the fear of falling into the hands of the living God. That happened to the children of Israel. It happened to the Jewish religious system in A.D. 70. And it was something that God had promised. Prophesied for generations. It is something that God said he was going to do. It was something that Jesus prophesied would happen, and it was something that was fulfilled. And so, this is the context of this passage. So I hope this interpretation of this passage today helps us put it into context in a way that we can truly appreciate the warning given during the first century and in a way that keeps us from misusing this passage and maybe perhaps others like this out of context and in a way that brings unwarranted fear in the hearts of believers today. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.